This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Sunday, February 28th, 2021. On this day in 1966, the case Miranda v. Arizona reached the Supreme Court of the United States. The resulting decision would forever alter American criminal law. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today, we're covering the case Miranda v. Arizona and the Supreme Court's landmark decision, which set a radical new standard for American law enforcement. The case concerned the constitutional rights of suspects and the validity of their confessions while in custody. Let's go back to Washington, D.C. on the morning of February 28, 1966. It was a cold morning in America's capital as attorneys John Flynn and John Frank walked into the United States Supreme Court building. What the nine justices there decided could change the course of American legal history, and it all hinged on the story of a single career criminal. The case began three years earlier, in March 1963. By then, 23-year-old Ernesto Arturo Miranda had been in and out of jail his entire life. In 1954, when he was just 14 years old, Miranda was arrested for the first time. He was charged with burglary, but due to his age, he was released on probation. Less than a year later, he was hauled in again. He was sentenced to a stint in a state reform school, but was booked for attempted rape and sexual assault almost as soon as he was released. At age 17, Miranda was arrested for armed robbery. He made an attempt to get some direction in life and joined the U.S. Army after that. However, he was only enlisted for 18 months and spent the majority of that time on labor punishment duties for going AWOL. He was eventually dishonorably discharged. It didn't take long for Miranda to return to a life of crime. He stole a car, was arrested yet again, and was sentenced to a year in federal prison. When he was released, he returned to his hometown of Mesa, Arizona, Still only 21 years old, Miranda was a hardened criminal and convicted felon. He decided it was time to try and get his life together. He met a recent divorcee, fathered a child with her, and settled into a manual labor job. It seemed that he'd finally changed his ways. Until the early hours of March 3, 1963. We only know the victim as Jane Doe since she was only 18 years old. She was a movie theater worker with a learning disability. On that night, Jane worked until midnight. 
At 12.10 a.m., as she walked home, a car abruptly stopped in front of her. Miranda jumped out of the vehicle and forced Jane into the back seat where he tied her up. Then he drove out into the desert, raped her, and left. The police took Jane's statement at the hospital that night where she described Miranda accurately. A week later, he suspiciously drove past the scene of the kidnapping and Jane's brother noticed. His license plate was recorded. The police picked him up the next day. That was when the question of a suspect's rights while in police custody became important. There were two key facts surrounding Miranda's arrest. The first was that the detectives launched into an interrogation without informing Miranda of his constitutional rights. Specifically, they never told him he had the right to have an attorney present during questioning and that he had the right not to speak to them, as accorded by the Fifth and Sixth Amendments. After two hours of coercive questioning, Miranda verbally confessed to the rape which led to the second key fact. When the detectives had him write out and sign his confession, they did not provide any statement that what Miranda was signing could be used against him in a trial. When his case went to court, his defense attorney pointed out these facts as cause for reasonable doubt. But with his long record and the heinous nature of his crime, Miranda was still convicted by the jury. His defense attorney responded by filing an appeal that would permanently alter American criminal law. Coming up, Miranda's case and appeal reaches the Supreme Court. Listeners, I am thrilled to tell you that this month marks a huge milestone for ParCast. It's the four-year anniversary of another fantastic podcast I host called Serial Killers. If you haven't had a chance to dive into the stories and psychology behind the most nightmarish murderers of all time, there's no better time than right now to start listening. Each week, we enter the minds, the methods, and the madness of the world's most sadistic serial killers. From the son of Sam, David Berkowitz, and the co-ed killer Edmund Kemper, to Eileen Wardos, Ed Gein, and coming soon, the Night Stalker Richard Ramirez. And this February, look out for our four-part special on couples who kill, following the worst love has to offer. Their names may sound ordinary, but their atrocities are anything but. Trust me, you do not want to miss it. With hundreds of episodes available to binge and new ones released weekly, get to know the killers, crimes, and cases that forever changed the face of history. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Serial Killers. New episodes air every Monday and Thursday, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. 
On February 28, 1966, the United States Supreme Court heard the case of Miranda v. Arizona, which dealt with the constitutional rights of suspects in police custody. Ernesto Miranda had already been convicted and was serving time in prison when his appeal for review by the Supreme Court was filed. But it caught the attention of the ACLU, and with their support, it reached the desks of attorneys John Flynn and John Frank. Both men worked for a powerful law firm that had a standing agreement to take on two ACLU cases for free each year. They decided Miranda's appeal would be one of them. They had spent months pulling information from previous judgments that were relevant to their case. Frank estimated that the research time alone cost $50,000 in billable hours. By the morning of the 28th, when they went into the court, Flynn and Frank were well prepared. The two attorneys presented eloquent oral arguments that constitutional rights were sacred, regardless of the suspect's record or the nature of the crime. The defense, representing the state of Arizona where the original crime occurred, argued that the risk of informing suspects of their rights was too great. They claimed it would only help career criminals. Still, as Frank's written brief on Miranda eloquently summarized, the day is here to recognize the full meaning of the Sixth Amendment. It took the nine Supreme Court justices several months to deliberate, but in the end, they agreed. On June 13, 1966, Chief Justice Earl Warren delivered the court's decision in favor of Miranda. The majority opinion codified the protections criminal suspects were entitled to when being placed under arrest. They came to be known as Miranda rights. The Chief Justice laid them out clearly, writing, at the outset, if a person in custody is to be subjected to interrogation, he must first be informed in clear and unequivocal terms that he has the right to remain silent, that anything said can and will be used against the individual in court, that he has the right to consult with a lawyer and to have the lawyer with him during interrogation, and that if he is in need, a lawyer will be appointed to represent him. The Supreme Court decision led to public outcry. Critics claimed that the court had released a rapist back onto the street and that liberal politics were responsible for rising crime rates. Even presidential candidate Richard Nixon offered a comment saying, the cumulative impact of these decisions has been to very nearly rule out the confession as an effective and major tool in prosecution and law enforcement. However, this wasn't exactly true in Ernesto Miranda's case. While he had won his appeal, it simply meant his confession wasn't admissible in court. He was subject to a new trial without his confession as evidence, and was again convicted of rape and kidnapping. His sentence was 20 to 30 years in prison. For Miranda himself, not much changed. But his story did have a dark and ironic epilogue. Ernesto Miranda was granted parole in 1972. On January 31, 1976, almost exactly a decade after his name defined a legendary case, the 34-year-old got into a bar fight in Phoenix. 
Miranda was stabbed twice in the stomach and chest and was pronounced dead on arrival at the local hospital. Almost immediately, the Phoenix police caught one of the two men suspected of the killing. As they placed him under arrest, one of the cops pulled out a small card written in both English and Spanish and read the killer his Miranda rights. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Andrew Messer, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Listeners, don't forget to check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Every Monday and Thursday, take a deep dive into the minds and madness of history's most notorious murderers. You can binge hundreds of episodes, four years worth, and catch new episodes weekly. Listen to Serial Killers free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.